And the man and the legend has joined us, Mr. Joshua. Unfortunately, guys, um, Av is having a little bit of a stomach issue. I think he had too much cake at the birthday party yesterday. But we're going to give him a break. He might jump on. We'll see how he feels. But I'm going to turn this over to Layton, who is uh, a great friend of Joshua. And uh, guys, take it away. I'm going to jump back in the background. Thanks, Ken, for everything as always. And welcome, my friend. Uh, let's, yeah, let's 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 dive right in. So I usually try to open with uh, getting this the, the uh, guest to talk a little bit about their past and how they ended up getting here. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I was I was telling Ken. First of all, he makes me sound so epic. I'm just a I'm just a guy, but uh, but I'll explain. It's all intention, right? Um, like the some of those some of the reels you know about the suede satchel or the leather satchel um that's real like when i was a kid when i and you know probably around first grade if i had to think about it or something like that you know i would wear this uh native american satchel it was like beaded and uh you know beaded suede satchel around my neck and i had sage in it and i would tell people you know when i when i grow up i want to be a medicine man you know, dead serious too. And like, I probably at one point, like, you know, don't criticize me, but would say I want to be an Indian. That was before, like, that was considered not correct. Uh, but to me, it was a term of endearment, right? Like, that was what I was like, you know, I hate to bust it to you, buddy, but <laughs> some things you just can't be. Um, but a medicine man, I am, right? And I'll get there. Um, in many ways, to me, it means like, uh, through validation, not because of self-accreditation or anything like that. I'm, I'm proclaiming these things. Um, so I appreciate you, Ken. I also just, you know, I think I'm just doing the work. Uh, but, you know, I, it, it wasn't that like my entire life I dreamed of being a medicine man. It was like a kid and then some dash of reality jumps in there when you're in school. And I thought I wanted to like be a, a own a psychology practice or something at some point in time and like some real world jobs. Right. Or careers rather. Um, and then I think some somehow in my adult life, I was laying carpet and talking to, you know, people I would call homies at the time uh, about like, isn't there some, well, you know, my brother was in prison and he, uh, passed away in prison and because of pharmaceuticals, I guess is the short way to say that, um, he was on antidepressants and took too many, you know, uh, but so in my mind, I was, I was, uh, 20 at the time, I think, and 21 maybe, and thinking, you know, really just not around like influential people that I am now, uh, or, or, um, positive people, I guess you would say, and, and no judgment. Like these are, you know, it's, I, I don't mean judgment to anybody. It's just, you got to do what you, um, you know, dream bigger and better for yourself. So I'm glad I'm not in that position anymore with those people anymore. And, uh, I mean, none of them harm, but Anyway, uh, I, I was asking, you know, like, hey, isn't there isn't there like a real medicine man or something? And, and thankfully, one of my friends who must have been more educated than the rest of us said, I think there's something called a naturopath. And I was like, oh, OK, right on a naturopath. That sounds groovy. Um, and then maybe another year went by. Um, I had met my son's mom and um, we were we were pregnant and like, dude, we were expecting my son, who's now 14. 
and he was a December baby. So I'm from Omaha and this is where it's all taking place. Omaha and a December baby is not something I wanted to deal with meaning snow and cold. So like, you know, let's go to Arizona. Um, she had better support, I think at the time, um, like parents and things like that, familial support. And so it just made sense that we would go down to Arizona and all this other stuff was kind of out of my mind, right? Naturopath was just like a come and go thing. Um, and then I had this urge, I guess, to go to school or something. We were like, what are we doing? Right. That kind of whole, like, what are we going to do? And, uh, and I was sitting at home with my newborn son at the time and looking at some like flyer for the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, or rather not a flyer for it. It was in the, the nickel, whatever the free paper was. I don't even know why I had one of those, but it was just this little corner ad. Um, and then it had something about herbalism and, and holistic nutrition. And I was like, really vibing with it, right? Like we were already kind of organic is better sort of thing, like not um, fully versed in all of that, but just kind of like, uh, a little bit aware. And then so yeah, I kind of I enrolled and started going down this path. I went I studied herbalism and holistic nutrition for two years at uh, Suiha or Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. And just my quick thought process doing that was, I wanted to go to school to be an herbal clinic or a clinical herbalist, right? Like I wanted to be a, more like a folk herbalist, not like a full on like a white coat herbalist, but like folk herbalist, have an herb shop, you know, apothecary kind of thing behind me um, and have folks come in with their ailment and I give them their, you know, their remedy. Um, so I studied herbalism in the first part of my uh, studies, right? In the first year. The second part of the year, I studied holistic nutrition, and I'm so thankful that it came this way um, because we took a, a field trip uh, for my herbalism class, and I'm I'm very close friends with my herbalism teacher to this day. You know, this was in 2009, so uh, we've remained friends for. She's one of my longest standing friends, put it that way. Um, but anyway, uh, so we went on this field trip to these three farms or three gardens rather and the philosophies of them were kind of varying but one of them really stuck out to me uh at maya's farm and so i felt compelled even though there were no job openings to apply at maya's farm by just writing a letter and in inquiring you know like hey can i come work here you know and and she said yeah it was everything I needed. Um, and I don't want to talk about manifestation too much on here, but I've always kind of lived my life fringe intention. And I do understand manifesting, but I don't go down that full, um, what is it, the secret? You know, I don't, I don't live my life that way. I'm not saying, I just don't know as much about it as maybe I should, so I don't dabble in it, but I understand intention. So uh, I got a job at Maya's farm because I wanted one, right, is where I'm going with that. And then Maya's farm is really where I got that whole concept of food as medicine, being around herbs and things like that. It's like, you know, I just, I really wanted to be around uh, the environment, the soil, the compost. It was like, I liked it when I was a kid, you know, being in the dirt and we had a small garden, um, but always being in the dirt and running in the forest or stuff like yeah. that, like the little forest that we had in the, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, but being at Maya's like these things started, started evolving in my brain about, um, food is medicine, you know, from herbs to med our medicine to food is medicine. And like, you know, I went from 
thinking really quickly, like I want to be a clinical herbalist too. I want to grow herbs for herbalists because I was realizing that, you know, things are being shipped across the country. And as far as like nutritional density in herbs or freshness, anything like that, it's like, it a lot of times comes down to freshness, right? And like the, the miles traveled. And I guess so, um, well, I'll get back to this in a, in a second, but, um, I thought that that was a, a, a void that needed filled, right? I'm like, oh, wow, I can grow fresh herbs for the herbalist. Like, this is fantastic. And then then my my mind, as I gained in or went more into my nutrition classes, evolved into food is medicine. And really just like, you know, full on gardening. Like, what, why, why herbs? Like, herbs are food and should be essentially supplemental. But my very first class at Suiha, um, and I'll, I'll, I need to back up a little bit too, even before all this, but my very first class at Suiha was Ayurveda. Uh, and so I won't go down the path of Ayurveda necessarily to get down that rabbit hole, but it's a really fantastic, holistic um, modality. And what where I'm going with that is your diet entails what you and what you're consuming, which is what you're watching, what you're hearing also, right? Not just what you're eating and drinking, what you're consuming right? What's going in you? Um, the, the issues are in the tissues, they say, mm-hmm. right? So what you think and feel is uh, responsive to a lot of times your environment that you're subjecting yourself to. And I, again, like mean nothing about the people I moved away from, but it's like, I knew better than them. And I, I wanted something different than them, right? Uh, I know that they're stuck in the same spot. I'm not. Um, anyway, in, in my my last two years of high school, I reluctantly at the time, but I'm blessed to have now moved to Germany um, and went to an American defense school. So like I was in an American school, thankfully, and all that. But like we were in a, in a German neighborhood. I lived off base in a village and was witness to a lot of cultural holisticness again, uh, connectedness, community. And like it really just got my mind thinking in, in certain ways. Um, Plus, being really close to Amsterdam, the ganja was strong. And so I think that had something to do with my mind thinking a lot, too. But um, and the hashish, right, like Turkish hash. But uh, I I was I was smoking one night. Um, you know, I was either a junior and senior in high school, so I should not have been smoking at night. But I was out up in my room, which was like, you know, two story well it had a basement too so it was actually like four stories but I was in the very top the loft right like was my room and I was blowing the smoke out the window and I watched my dog eat grass so it must have been in the daytime when I was smoking in the daytime whatever watching my dog eat grass and like just intrinsic lateral thought to like well how the hell does a dog all all dogs know to eat grass like when their belly hurts and this is river of course chanting away over here um how do they all know to eat grass when their belly hurts right and i was like because we didn't have ted talks at this time like this is in 2003 i think and but but it's like they didn't have seminars is what i told myself right there's no dog seminars that all dogs are like and remember like it's it's they speak frequency right like they inherently know that like they they almost i feel like sense and see vibrations that we don't um and so like all this led down some other metaphysical shit that i like maintained for the rest of the night but um anyway so my mind has always been thinking holistically and laterally and i do really attribute a lot of that to cannabis uh um 
but it's also my medicine. It's been my medicine for a long, long time uh, in a multitude of ways. So, but yeah, anyway, Suiha is what got me into really growing food, working at Maya's farm. I started, I went from Maya's farm to a college. I got a job offer at a um, sustainable foods program that was kind of like kicking off the ground. It was in Tempe and that was the uh, Rio Salado college. It's an online college, but they're hybrid classes, which so I was a hybrid instructor at the time, but um, I was hired on as just the garden builder. I was just building the garden. There was a different instructor. So that was frustrating that like, you know, it's like whose turf is it? And like, but anyway, because they would do shit a different way, right? Like they would come in with the heavy guns, like the fertilizer and stuff. And I'm like, you know, you can just use water and time, like, like time, like patience, you know, um, to wake the biology up. There's plenty of organic matter. And anyway, um, it's just one of those things that thankfully, like they got frustrated enough, moved along. I got the full scale job on faculty. I was probably there five years or so. Um, and then really like took my retirement, like that I was building up the Arizona state retirement. I was like, Hey man, I got like 14 grand. This is great. I'm going to fucking retire when I'm 24. And so like I cashed out on it, like put this lump, uh, like, I don't know, I think six months of rent, how out to pay six months of rent and paid off my insurance for six months. I paid all my bills off for six months. Right. And like, just started working on my farm. Um, my farm at the time was a cooperation of, or rather an agreement that I had. There was this vacant lot that is now the Welcome Diner in Phoenix. It's a really cool spot to eat at and all that, but it was a third acre parcel that um, I had kind of for the past few years dreamt about when I drove by. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, someone's growing lettuce here. Someone's doing something here. Like it looked ag, right? And I was like, but right in the middle of the city, I mean, in the barrios, like shootouts barrios right like it's like the ghetto here and like so i was like man this is a freaking awesome little garden someone's doing here and then i finally like just through odd odd circles uh concentric circles and at the time i hadn't known that we had already met and, and talked and everything but um the owner of this property and i finally linked up because they were getting citations from the city right because of weeds and all that right as soon as you're on the city radar you're on the radar uh, the county comes by and like, they're like, oh, weeds, oh, mulch, oh, this, oh, that. And like, so they essentially needed a compliance guy. And what my deal was, is I got to farm this third acre for free. Um, I paid the meter, which they offered to pay the meter, but I thought that was kind of like, you know, I can, I can pay the water. Water's ridiculously cheap in Arizona, Phoenix city water. First of all, should not be that. Never mind. Um, so it's ridiculously cheap. And like, so I paid the meter, it actually had two meters, but I paid both of those. Um, I only ever used one, but, uh, and like essentially kept this guy out of court. I went to court with him uh, twice because I had dropped off loads of mulch and the city didn't like that. And I'm like, no, no, hold on. Like what I'm doing is actually good. And I had to go to court and talk and like argue for mulch, <laughs> right? Like how I was going to fight the weeds. I was retaining water, like uh, carbon sink, like stuff that they, for sure, they didn't even give a shit about, but I was like, yo, don't touch my freaking mulch. Right. Cause I've had people like come overnight with a tractor and take your mulch too. And I'm like, are you effing serious right now? Like, um, so anyway, free mulch is easy to get in Phoenix. It's not necessarily easy to keep in Phoenix. Uh, it's really hard to get up here though, where I am right the South of Cornville. It's like gold up here. Everybody, thankfully everybody knows its value and it's hard to come by up here, but, um, 
so I had this little third acre I was farming for free. Uh, and then essentially like that came to its end because I knew welcome diner was taken over. And essentially that came down to, they were going to pay money, right? Like I would give this dude vegetables and stuff. And like, I was literally three blocks from the farmer's market at this parcel that I sold at, right? Like my heart of the downtown Phoenix farmer's market. So like we were known man, uh, Cocoa Pot gardens at the time. Cause this garden was on, um, oh, I lived on Cocoa Pot street, but anyway, um, I knew it was coming to an end. They started poking and prodding around for doing foundation work and stuff. And I'm all like, you know, whoa, what happened to my melon? Like, you know, like things like that, like construction guys come around and like all of a sudden, um, anyway, so I was like, look, I'm going to go ahead and peace out. It's been fun. Um, and so like, I got out of there, I had another acre and some change that we were farming that was also free. So that was our concept. We were finding vacant land and we were farming it. We were essentially profit farmers. So say what you will, but we were, you know, selling at five different farmers markets a week in our heyday. Um, Cocoa Pot Gardens was, uh, and you know, DBA community roots. Now that kind of thing is really what it is. But, um, and essentially like I tell this story, like I get teared up when I tell it usually, but I won't this time. I'll try not to like, I was harvesting Roselle, right? Like on our, our third acre, we called it the perf lot, the Phoenix urban research farm. Um, but we had a bunch of Roselle planted, like probably 60 pl plants. If you're not familiar with Roselle, it's like okra. It's the cousin of okra, right? So it's structures large, it yields a lot of buds, but we were harvesting it the weekend before Thanksgiving, the market before Thanksgiving. And we knew that we were going to like make a bunch of money on this because like it's the Arizona cranberry, we were calling it like we were marketing it hot and we were selling it. They're delicious. It's what you make hibiscus tea from or uh, Jamaica, right? Um Jamaica tea. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Not horchata, Jamaica. Like when you go to the burrito restaurants and they have like the red drink and the white drink, Jamaica horchata, it's what you make uh, Jamaica from. It's uh, hibiscus. Anyway, so I'm sitting here harvesting it, like just going nuts, right? Bam, 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 like just dollars in my head. And all of a sudden I, around the back of the stem, I feel this little difference and it's a leaf hopper, like one of those really cool neon green and blue and red ones. Like, of course, they're plant damaging, like they're eating my plants and like probably people are like, yeah, whatever, fuck that thing. But um, I didn't it didn't sit well with me, man. I, I wasn't there to we don't use pesticides like we didn't do that. We don't like we aren't about that. Like, find, let something eat it. Right. Like, that's what we're about. Find something to eat what you're what's eating your stuff or whatever. Anyway, the reason it didn't sit well with me, because my intention wasn't in line with nature at the time I was I was mining. Right. I was just straight mining at the time and it wasn't cool. Um, and like I I hadn't killed it right at right at the time. Um, it like just got mangled and I felt real bad because it was like kind of like just sitting there like messed up. And they're intelligent, too, by the way. Like if you ever see them on a stem, like I'm virtually holding a stem between me and it, they move around. Like when you try to look at them, you know what I mean? Like they move like that. It's weird. They're they're smart. Um but anyway, it, it didn't sit well with me. Like I literally was like, dude, I'm done. Um, I like, I think that was one of our last markets. I might've had a week left. My motors, my motor and my blazer blew. Like the, I, I start, bad stuff started happening. I was like, bro, I got to go back to work. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and I'm saying we, and bro, that was my partner at the time. Like, dude, we were cool. We rolled on everything. We were like, you know, it was cool what we did, uh, how we did it. Like, 
we were known. We were also just like, come see our plots. We're miles from our markets, less than miles from our markets. We don't spray anything. We don't even have a shed to spray it. Literally mulch instead of water if I had to choose, right? And in Phoenix, um, and I mean, the proof was in the pudding. We had people come to our, our, our farms. Um, but anyway, uh, that, that killing the leafhopper messed me up. I was like, dude, I got to... I, this isn't a hobby for me anymore. It really just kind of took away. So I started, I started going back to work. Um, I was already moonlighting, like, cause I had still worked at the college, but I stepped away from teaching. I was like kind of part-timing in the garden there. And, but I was moonlighting, um, working at Leslie's pools with my brother. Like he wasn't supposed to have like a side guy, but I was like, always, I'd wear his shirts. So it was like two brads would show up. <laughs> it was like, got a couple of brads here. And, uh, that's funny. But like, so I'm like, bro, let me get into pools, right? And make good money. And like, it's all chemicals though, man. Like it's such a death market. I hated it. I hated it. I made good money. Sure. I hated it, but I'd find myself walking around someone's backyard and I'm like, Oh dude, nice bell peppers. And like, I love your mulch. You know, I'm like, Oh cool. You let your jalapenos get red. That's what's up. You know, <laughs> like geeking on people's gardens. And, um, it was the writing's always on the wall for me. Like when the time's there to move, you know, I tell late and I'm like, the numbers are high, you know, like when I see like synergy and stuff, like I know when it's time to move and time to kind of like groove and lay low or whatever. Um, but anyway, so I, I did, I started working in schools um, when I went back, like when I left work and was like, after looking at everyone's gardens, I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? I went back to one of my buddies, uh, aquaponics at the time, um, Riba Farms was pretty well known here and they were doing commercial aquaponics. And so when I was teaching at this, at the college, we went and toured uh, Mark's facility. And so we remained buddies and, um, when I left there, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm just going crazy, bro. I got to get my hands back in the dirt. I don't care like what you got for me. I'm just down. Right. And like, so I just started working. We were doing microgreens. We had a thousand square foot indoor grow uh, where we were just doing micros, um, organic, certified organic micros, wheatgrass, peas, and uh, why am I blanking right now? Just microgreens, sunflowers. Um, anyway, so I did that, you know, for, I don't know how many years with Mark, but I, I ended up being the farm manager before leaving there and like helping them when we moved facilities, like that was a big deal. Like we moved to a completely different facility, like into a different County and like recertified with organic and GIPGAP certification. So like that was experiential for sure. But it was also one of those things where I'm like, I'm, I'm just not with the rigidity. You know, I'm just not. And I appreciate all the like Yuma, Arizona grows like over 60 percent of the country's greens, lettuce. Right. So I appreciate the commercial scale. I get it. Like even a guy like me that grows my food or my cannabis, whatever it is, like self-sufficiency is really hard. It's really hard. So I'm like, I appreciate the commercial scale and the people doing things. And I understand like the things like the food safety modernization act or whatever i think it was that i had to, that was the last certification our farm did and i was like deuces I'm, I'm out bro this is some weird ass shit you know i get it but at the same time i'm like bro it's food we're talking about plants like we're acting like human species hasn't freaking traveled millennia to get here you know what i mean like all of a sudden food is dangerous and all this i'm like no what's dangerous is 
is corporate uh, profitism and all this other like protecting profits, packaging things, putting it in plastics, you know, rigidity, 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 you're sterilizing things and you didn't do it right. Now you've bred a super bacteria, you know? So I don't know what the answer is. I'm not saying that it's wrong to feed America or feed the masses, but I will say the issue is not food production, it's distribution, right? And that's always been the case. Um, but on that note, like a, a book that I love so much, Ishmael, that I talk about a lot, um, does talk about this and like as far as the overpopulation and how i'm not going to get into population control like don't get me wrong that's not where i'm going that's that's uh there's some ridiculous theories out there on how we should be doing this but i am saying we're breaking a law we are breaking a a natural law that's called the law of competition um or the law of limited competition or the peacekeeper law by creating these sterile environments or, or these sterile outcomes, these intended outcomes that have no robust uh, filter to them by, um, you know, by killing the coyote to raise more deer, we're, we're not doing good. You know, when we remove apex predators, um, I don't want to tell that whole story. I do really like how it goes, but it's, it's called the lion and the hyena. And it's, it's written in Ishmael by David Quinn, who's actually from Omaha. So I like that too, but uh, you can't remove a single species without it affecting the entire ecology of all the species. And that's just a fact. And so like the, the thing is when we think that, you know, we're going to spray weed killer in order to grow this monoculture stronger because it's got a, a glyphosate inherent or intelligent gene factor that it, it can outwithstand it. It's like, Okay, dude, hindsight's 2020. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not pro GMO. I just don't think that that's our move to be making personally. I think that's a little too far down the rabbit hole. Um, but that's just me. You know, I'm not a lab coat wearing guy. I'm out in the dirt. I eat my finger. I don't eat them, but I bite my fingernails. You shouldn't eat your fingernails, probably. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, but I, I, I'm not scared of dirt. I mean, but I also tell late in this, you know, like I, half of these books, I wish I had read cover to cover. And that's not all of our books. Like that's not even a smidge of our books. But at the same time, I'm just out in the dirt all the time. Right. Like looking at the bugs, like watching them, observing them, communing with them. And I think that that's more important a lot of times, you know, just the fact that we just have to do it, do the work and get in there and um, play in the leaf litter. But so I'll, I'm, I'm almost done with my intro as far as like, but I had to say something there's as far as, cause we've been going through flooding here like crazy and Leighton knows this and I'm trying to get work done right now on the Creek. And it's like incredibly difficult. And, uh, it always comes back to reminding myself. It's not, it's not just a property like this, but a property like this has taught me a lot. And I didn't come to a property like this until 12 years after growing food professionally in a sense, right? Like until I was paying my rent with gardens, I've done that for 12 plus years. And now I have this property. So I'm not new to growing or being around dirt or any, it's like, it's, but, but you get to a place like this and you're like, okay, what do I do? Right? Like you're going to do stuff. And it's like, there's also forces of nature and nature is my boss. And I always know that, but now we're, yeah, thank you. I live on that Creek. And um, that creek moves things. So we're removing a lot of the Arondo, which my intention, what, and before I forget to say it, it's intention over attachment. That's what I'm getting at. 
I operate in intention. And it's not because attachment doesn't hurt me. If I look out my window right now, I see two, I see one willow tree that fell last night and it has a 16 inch um, circumference. I mean, sorry, not sorry, uh, diameter, right? Like that's a lot, a 16 inch diameter. And then it fell, it, its roots lifted up another one that has another 16 inch diameter. It's gonna go and not before it falls into another one that's leaning. Those will be my sixth big trees that my intention was to remove reeds so that they weren't getting choked out, so that they had more light because this reed is a quote invasive species unlike humans, right? Tongue in cheek there. Um, but it's a quote invasive species. And I've, I've told Leighton all about how amazing this biological thing is how it is on the creek, what it does for the creek, the biology that it, you know, so the flora and fauna here aren't benefiting from it. I get that. And, and to me, that was important. I'm not, I'm not just casting that off. Like I love my mule deer. I love the otter. I love the black hawk. Uh, and before I get to it, my window of time is April 15th to September 30th is a no work window for me because of the swift, uh, the swiffle and the yellow-billed cuckoo right? There's nesting grounds that are down there and I've seen the yellow-billed cuckoo. And so I'm not a, I'm not a, a jerk. I'm not going to just start going, you know, with my thumbs and brains and wrecking things that I think are right in this world. Um, because we're facing an extinction, a mass extinction right now. It's like, because we keep going about it our own way and doing things our own way, right? Like if, it, if I was to disregard this window, it's not like they start mating right at the 15th. They might be mating right now literally I'm supposed to by government standard anyway that I've I've opened up these permits and applied to these permits that I said I'm going to behave uh not even supposed to run a chainsaw or, or create these loud noises in a sense affecting the the habitat right and I understand that so here it is my intention was to create a better habitat for the creek species, including the big Goodings willows that are now lying on the ground as of last night and, uh, and myself, you know, and my guest here to not, instead of looking at these, you know, 80, 90 foot patches of bamboo, it's like you have the entire creek you look at now. And that's amazing. But the creek has taught me a lot in the last three weeks. It was three feet from coming to my house, right? And so maybe that's the other thing I meant to write down is there's trade-offs to everything. And you're, you're one up if you can identify those trade-offs, but hindsight's the only thing that's 2020, right? So far as I know. And not to say it's clear, like, you know, foresight can be clear. Hell yeah, I had clear foresight. But, you know, I feel like it, it might, it, maybe again, this comes back to manifesting. I don't know. I'm not going to say I can't. I had foresight that those trees might have been negatively affected by us removing three to four feet of dirt around their base with really heavily compacted roots going with it. Did I have the foresight that the flood was going to come up a little bit? You know, did I put all these things together? Mm, not as much as I would have thought. Would it have held me back? Would I do it different? I don't know. Intention, not attachment, right? I have a tree on the ground. Now I have to chainsaw it by the 15th or look at it until the 30th, I guess, of September. Um, so we'll sit on it for the beach, I guess. I don't know. But if another, if another flood comes in right now, at this point, it's going to be chaos, but chaos brings order. And, and I mean this when I tell 
everybody until Leighton. Um, Adversity has been my, you know, longest, closest friend. Hang on. I think uh, I think you can see why I brought him on, Ken. Right? <laughs> well, no, no, Layden. Come on. Why? How many times do I got to put up the gold bars in the background from what he just dropped, Layden? I mean, like Josh, I did all those uh, uh, shorts, etc. You know, promoting what you do and why you do it and how you do it. And brother, you just proved to everybody why the words that I used in there are the truth about who you are. That was very, very well said. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. All right. So, but how I got this property <laughs> in like the literal, more literal sense, um, this is, this comes to COVID and my daughter. Uh, we're sitting in Phoenix. Um, March 2nd was when she was born, 2020, right? So, and we did a home birth. So here was a weekend or whatever. So it might've been spring break whatever. I left all the gardens, the school gardens I was in. I was in five or six different school gardens, elementary school gardens mostly, but also a, co a college naturopathic garden in Tempe, um, an actual naturopathic garden. I mean, like ND, like a doctor, like, you know, uh, eight plus years of school shit, like not just herbalism like God I was doing. Um, so all that naturopath stuff coming back full circle. But anyway, uh, five or six school gardens, but spring break comes for, I, I go home for the, you know, the week or whatever it was. Incidentally, my daughter was born that Monday and we did a home birth, but not a, not at our home. It was just a, a home birth, like with midwives at a birth center, like right down the street from us, um, serendipitous and all that. Right. But like, then that week, I think it was like, cool. So some, that was when COVID happened, like that next week or whatever, like that week. I was like, oh, what? Like, so I didn't have gardens to go back to. Like schools started shutting down and like, I'm not proud of this, but like we got to like, I was having like nine o'clock morning beers, right? Like walking around my garden at home. Like there were sours, right? There was fruit in there, but still it was like, like nine o'clock. Why not? What else am I going to freaking do today? You know, like, um, but not like I was getting hammered. It was just like, dude, I don't have anywhere to go today. Like, why would I not start drinking a beer at nine o'clock? Like, it was just stupid. Like, so we had to get out of there. Uh, we were watching Netflix, like everyone else, um, uh, like how to mortgage free, like all that kind of stuff, right? Like getting out of the rat race wasn't new to us and it's not new to a lot of people. And to go real quick back to when I was a garden teacher, I always wanted to show people five ways to, to grow lettuce. Right. I always ran an aquaponic system on the on the garden uh, or on this on the college. Uh, and they thought that was innovative for sure. It's like, dude, I've never even heard about that. I'm like, yeah, but it's also essential because we live in a freaking urban environment and not everybody has soil, you know. And so it's like some people can grow fish on their balcony. Like it's easy to do in an urban setting. Um, anyway, so I would grow lettuce five different ways, a pallet garden or in the soil, a raised bed or in a pot. Right. Like different ways. There is no how to garden. And that's what I still try to tell people when I teach garden classes or when I do, it's more of like understanding the concepts. And the only other person I've heard use this analogy was Shango. And I forget which episode it was. And I love him for it because uh, oh, I think it was with with uh, Dr. Mayabi Shields talking about psilocybin and, and being magical um, because we don't necessarily know how all of it works. It might as well be magic, right? And this is how I talk about cars. And this is what uh, uh, Shango said about cars is like, 
it might as well be magic. And that's what I say about gardens and people's cars. I understand how to work on mine to a degree and I don't like knuckle busting ever. So I still take stuff I know how to do to a shop sometimes, but not everybody understands like what's going on once you turn that key. Who You don't have to understand combustion engines in order to drive your car every single day in order to pay your mortgage or rent, right? And yet we do it. And so it's like, can we not feed ourselves a similar way? Can we not drive the garden a similar way? If you put the right fuel in it, if you, you know what I mean? If you steer the wheel the right way. Um, so I try to teach the concepts and like help. And when I go to someone's garden, I help them identify what we would otherwise call resources or how to put them together. And the things I'm learning in the last few years coming from Leighton um, have, you know, definitely changed my life. And as far, especially how I treat my cannabis, which has been like this whole, like, duh, like, why wouldn't I have uh, no till my, you know, um, anyway, the the so how we got here right i was i was like morning beers let's get the heck out of here let's start looking at properties let's look on water my favorite body of water in arizona was oak creek it's a free running stream it's arizona to arizona it's a watershed and but it runs 365 100 years plus right it's like a never-ending stream and it's crazy by the way to just sit out and look think about water not ever fucking ending no one's running the faucet it's just like this it blows your mind never ending um anyway so i'm i'm following the stream on zillow quite literally like you know looking for sale properties on zillow like let's get out of here um we had a nice spot we were paying rent for but it was like the dude sucked and the place was like phoenix so we gotta go and we found this place just up the stream from us actually but it was a school like an old school, like eight buildings, like, you know, mortar brick buildings, but it had a skate park, like a library, uh, a science lab with Bunsen burners. Like I have video of this property. It's crazy. Like whiteboards everywhere, desks. It's, it was nuts. Commercial kitchen, uh, cafeteria, like all that. And I was like, babe, we got to do this. It was 88 acres on the Creek, just up the stream. But I mean, and just up the stream translates to you go right up our hill and go left and down this hill. It's it's right by us. So anyway, they wanted cash. We didn't have any cash and they wanted like a million. Right. I was like, hmm, we've looked under the couch so many times. It just wasn't fucking there. <laughs> like, so I go back to Phoenix and we're like, we can't turn this off. I, I go back to Zillow and I'm stream hunting again. Right. And all of a sudden I see um the same thumbnail and i forget maybe how it must have been it, maybe the same agent maybe was, i knew it was the same agent somehow but the what caught my eye was the address was different like this the property the school had like four or five listings all with a very similar address like 55 60 willow point 56 like they were all willow point because they were subdividing this or you could buy the whole thing so anyway, this one was 20 Pleasant View, but it was just a thumbnail of the of the stream going over the ripples, over the rocks, like all the others were. So I'm like, I thought it was the same. Clicked on it. I'm like, I see our crazy, like Leighton's been here. So I see our crazy floor. I see our crazy bathroom. I see our greenhouse. I'm like, babe, this is something different. I keep clicking. I'm like a chicken, chicken coop. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, uh, so anyway. I couldn't turn it off. We had to come here. And it was the same listing agent, which I was like, bro, I told you what we're looking for. Like, why didn't you tell me about this place? Like it had been sitting on the market too. Like, doof. Anyway, 
uh, Phil, you goof. Um, so he should have told me about this place, but nonetheless, we found it. And the fast forwarding to this, like, you know, again, attention, not attachment, but rather I went back home and rather than drinking morning beers, I looked at video that I took of this property and counted the square tiles in the kitchen that I knew were one foot square tiles and started drawing on graphing paper, how I was going to redo the casita in order to make it an Airbnb in order to pay for us being here. Right. And I knew all the other components were here. There were only other property, like it had to be an income property that I knew, even when we looked at the school, right? Like I wasn't, a, I wasn't coming into this, like, I'm going to just go, like, we're on a mortgage. We didn't have cash. I told you that. So like, here we are um, doing the work. And I was in the casita like day one or two or whatever, cleaning out the furniture that Jill did not want, including a, a, a couch and whatever. But these two guests, uh, these two nightstands that I'm like, you know, over there on next to our bed, I did not want to throw away. It was not our style. If we have one, Jill certainly does. But I was like, these are crafted like it, like Ashley furniture, some whatever they're crafty. And so I didn't want to throw them away. And um, yeah, that's the casita. Now I put in that countertop, all that stuff. And the address as I'm dusting off this cobwebs was like somebody's old address that was written and once handwritten and stamped also like it was freighted from somewhere like, you know, went through some trouble, someone moved it, but it was 5142. I could go look right now and say what it says. I don't know. I think it starts with a B, but the address in Phoenix we moved from was 5142, right? That, that right there was like, dude, you know, you can call it God or guy or whatever. And the only other times I've manifested exact amounts of money within a minute of time that I needed them. I'm not bullshitting you on this was when I was praying to God. I'm not kidding. And I've told Leighton these stories too. And like, so um, we say what we want and uh, I'm not religious. I'm not, but I am spiritual. And I do think that that kind of thing right there is like, you can look a gift horse in the mouth if you want to. But that kind of thing tells me I'm meant to be here. But it's also one of those things where once I'm here, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. And so here I am wrecking the creek. And I'm just kidding. But like, it's hard to, to see trees fall. That's not OK. Like those trees, I have to cut them now with a chainsaw. And I bet they're 50 years old. You know, I'm not 50 years old. So I don't take that lightly. Um but again, it's intention, not attachment and trade-offs are everything. If you know that you can identify a trade-off, then you can weigh the value, but there are trade-offs to everything. They're, they call it cause and effect or whatever. If you push that, you know, it's a ripple. Uh, that's an exercise I always wanted to do is, you know, have eight kids standing around the same kiddie pool and give them all a little drop of water. And, and you'll show them that even when they, one kid drops that water, it's going to go all the way across the pool but it's going to do that for all the kids, even when there's a lot of ripples and we are ripples. You don't have choices not to make ripples. You're born, you're alive, you're breathing, you are making ripples. If we have consciousness of what those ripples are, then we can do something different. Right. But like that's intention, not attachment. I don't have attachment to what those ripples are going to do once I, you know what I mean? So anyway, that's my kind of philosophy on how I move and, and do stuff on this 1.8 acres that we have. We're so blessed to have on Oak Creek, but I say we're so blessed to have it. I also worked hard to get here and like we did things that none, none of our friends will do. You know, we don't have air conditioning. 
You know what I mean? Like we, we don't have cell service. Like we don't, there's, there's, I'm on Wi-Fi when I have Wi-Fi calling like, but there's trade-offs when the flood comes up, like it's coming in my house again. Maybe I won't be alive. Maybe I will. It's been in the house before we moved here. It'll come again. Um, And so like, there's, there's things that people would be like, Oh, I wouldn't want to do that with a, with a, a hundred years or whatever. And it's like, but also we have had well over 200 guests come here and better than a handful tell us like you guys are doing exactly what we want to do. Like, and so that's where I'm getting at. Just like I have with the college and all the gardens, I aim to inspire, not just produce, not just grow food. It's about the inspiration and rather, you know, like I always say, creating awareness. It's about creating awareness. That's still where we are. And it might not be where, where we all are, we might all be like, you know, versed in, you know, I'm over a decade in with food, right? I'm pretty familiar when someone says something, I can usually track the conversation, even uh, if it's really deep. The thing is, it's like, we, we aren't all there. Um, And so we are creating awareness. I, I do find my mission and my calling is to be in the dark water, right? Is to pull these souls up is to, you know, go in there and help people that need help. Not, you know, even when I was in Phoenix, people would tell me like that would, that would resonate with how I am and how I was and how I would be in my garden and my farms. They're like, Oh, you should go to like Oregon or someplace that like everybody's like that. Right. And it's like, I mean, that's, that sounds really rad. And I think, you know, my soul might in one hand be at peace, but my soul would also know that I'm here for a freaking reason. And I didn't come for all that fun shit, dude. I'm in Phoenix where people need it and where people are trying to figure out how to grow a garden. I'm here showing them with mulch, you know? And the funny thing is I do have this video that I'll share with you later and later, but like uh, I was in like, you know, not the housing product, but straight up the barrio I lived in. It was called Nuestro Barrio. That's where Cocoa Pa was uh, Cocoa Pa garden. I mean, there was shootings in my driveway. Like it was real shit. Like, but here I am taking a video It's monsoon season. I'm the crazy white guy that gets mulch dropped off right in the barrio. Like, but when you get mulch dropped off, you get like, you know, a dump truck. It's not like a short thing. It's like the whole size of a vehicle or better. Right. And people are like, dude, what are you doing? They say, and like, so I'm sitting here wheelbarrows about, you know, 50 wheelbarrows into my backyard. That is not even that big. Um, but here comes monsoon season and like, I'm out like just walking in my mulch, mycelium everywhere. Uh, like my chickens are happy. And then like, I'm taking a video, right? Of me in my backyard with my block wall. Like y'all probably know what I mean. Just like that ugly cinder block wall that they put in cities. And like, I just go right up over the wall real quick. And my just neighbor is a pool, swimming pool in their backyard. Disgusting dude. Cause their dog would be shitting back there. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, I have a dog too. It's pooping and it's all good, bro, because I got mulch. <laughs> and like, so anyway, um, I in my I have cocoa cocoa pot garden shirts still. One of them on the back is like, do you even mulch? Or no, bro, do you even or maybe it didn't say bro, but yeah, do you even mulch? Like, um, so anyway, I always aim to inspire through action, you know. I'm way past theory. I'm into practical. I've been a long time and like, but, but sure. I exercise theory still. I think like that you keep my brain growing, but like I aim to engage and inspire. So when people come to a property like this, and I also mean this, I was doing weird research, like on stuff like a Ram pump, 
uh, before I ever knew I was going to be on this property that briefly in order for a ram pump to work, it means that you have your property sits uphill from your water, first of all, and in order for the ram pump to work, water has to be moving, not at a very hard pace, but moving and downhill. So you've got water moving down the stream, like what a weird combination, but here I am, I have two waterfalls, waterfalls meaning the water drops in elevation like six, eight inches on our property, and my growing place is 30 feet uphill, elevation-wise, 30 feet, you know, and I also just so happen to have I looked into this, but the property does, not me. I could create a statement of claim, but we have 0.71 acre feet of water that we can draw for our future orchard or whatever it is that the chickens currently are in. Um, and when I do that, it's going to be something I talk about and teach about. And when I put a hydroelectric generator in, yeah, it's going to benefit me, but like also I'm going to talk about it and teach about it because that is what I'm here to do, right? So anyway, sorry, man, that's the whole story, how we got here, how I am, the property, one hour later. <laughs> Dude, that's why it was so important. Um, you know, yeah. you've, been on, you've been on a journey. And For you know, sure, this, man. This, this is why you're here now, is because of all of those steps and processes that you went through. And yeah, you, you, you earned it, dude. We've had that conversation, and and yeah. not only did you manifest it, and and you did, uh, you asked for it, you wished for it, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. And then we went after it when they were exactly. like, "Here it is. Do you really exactly. want it?" Because that's what it always asks you: is Do you really want it? Do you really? And, want and it? careful what you asked for too. Oh it's, yeah. It's, it's giving yeah. you an opportunity to back out of what you're. Right. Yeah. Once you put talking. it in motion, though, things happen, and you're like, you know, once you've committed, you have to commit. I mean, but you can't, you can't one foot in it. That's no. what I say. And that's what I mean is I know that people can live that life of manifesting. I say I have real experiences and I still carry that dollar I told you about. And I will share those experiences openly. But I also just that's not my that's not how I live my life. I just try to live plugged in in some altruistic manner that doesn't harm me because that's where my faults lie. Right. It's just like altruism to a fault. It's like, well, who and what am I? You know, it's like, well, dude, you still have to have some intention. Um, but I also mean to say, Hey, uh, you know, haste makes waste. So I do try to operate slowly, but oftentimes things move at their own pace. Um, and, yes. and when you, when you have a parcel like this, you know, nature moves in slow paces, but you, you're looking at a hundred different things. Right. And so maybe only five of them are moving at this pace and my, and it's like, but things are moving on. It's like, I got to prune the mulberries. I'm not done. I still got to prune the grass because the on, the grass ons are coming. I found the first grass on inside the day. And those are not good for my dog's paws. So they're also not going to be good for guests' paws, dog's paws, right? Uh, anyway, it's like, ah, I wasn't ready to mow the yawn. I, I still have creek work to do. I still have, you know, it's like, bro, it doesn't matter, man. Stuff's going to keep moving and it's going to keep moving whether you're going to move with it or whether you're not going to move with it. And uh, it's not... I aim to be a steward, but it's not that I believe, and this is what I always tell my students too, like, well, uh, not necessarily the littles, they're harder to get this, but we as, you know, people live on this um, spectrum, and I, I say maybe gardeners, I don't know where this all really goes, but we all live on the spectrum in a sense of understanding to, 
manipulating, right? Of like, we can understand how a process works or rather even before that, we can just be a part of a process, right? We're just driving the car. We're just a part of it. Um, we're creating smog and all that. We're just a part of it. <laughs> but we can, we can understand a little more as further in depth we go, right? Like, and then we can start being a steward of stuff. But then like over here, we have stuff like GMOs and chemtrails. And I'm like, uh, I don't think we should be over there, man. I don't think that's just my personal opinion. I think we should probably be back over here somewhere in the middle, because not only do I think that's like, you know, quote, God's work. I think that's uh, unseen, unforeseen trade-offs. There's going to be unforeseen consequences. Uh, and I just don't think that we all should be playing with that kind of stuff yet. Um, but win or learn, never lose. That's what I also say. And I know Layton, you said we've had like seven extinction and I've drilled you about it, right? I'm like, but what about the plastics, man? I'm like, but there was never plastics before. And now we have all these freaking microplastics. And it's like, and what, did I, and what did I tell you? Oh, we're just building food for the next system that's coming in play. Exactly. exactly. That's what I'm like, you know, we should start working on this now because we've, we've talked about this. Like we, <coughs> we all have plastic. It's just a fact, right? We all have plastic and why I'm just, I'm, I'm pondering this. So don't drill me. Uh, I'm, this is a devil's advocate, but why do we think it's better to take all our plastic and concentrate it in some place where it won't in fact break down and or it gets found in our ecosystems later throughout and, and rather than our ecosystems, meaning like all bodies of life, I think as far as we understand now, that we've measured have microplastics like so at what point do we stop like it's like could we correct that i don't know i'm not a scientist and like i don't know the the studies of how we could so-called remedy what we've done but the thing is why is it better for that rather than like say me just as an example i'm not saying i do this but sometimes i do sometimes i see plastic around my property and i'm like whatever man a little zip tie or something that was like sun rotted and broke off i'm like I have mycelium and worms. I have, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm creating bio-intelligent soil. And if, first of all, I'm not worried about GMOs. Like I drink a soda this week. I don't drink a lot of soda, but I know that for me, I was more worried about the dollars and the voting that that all created of causal, like let's create and grow more GMOs to put them in sodas. And rather than like the GMOs that are in my body from that, I don't care. It's not, that's not what I was getting at. And also, so I'm saying the microplastics, like how far are we going to let this go? There are stuff that people have said it's adverse and I understand that. Like, um, but you know what I'm saying? It's a conversation worth having. Like as we go forward, why are we not thinking of ourselves more responsibly as stewards, like partaking more responsibly? And so uh, I was, I, one of the things I posed was like shredding up bottles or stuff. Remember like, it was like instead of perlite, um, but you'd have to measure those uh, things and maybe what the leaching or whatever would be. I don't know. It'd be a really long drawn out thing. But like when we put it all together again, I beat up on perlite, but only because I can. Why do we have perlite in everything still? Like what the heck is perlite? Where have we never really even stopped to think about it? I'm not saying it's harmful, but technically it could be like it can cause uh, silicosis, right? If you're around enough of it or whatever i'm sure the workers at those plants are, are not like i'm sure they're wearing some you know uh respiratory gear but like it's just that idea of like mining something in an industry scale and calling it good 
or for that matter, calling anything good or bad, but like, it's just still, why is that our, like, why are we allowed to do that? Why is that like what we've come to be, right? And like, for sure, we talk about pit moss, like, because we love pit moss. Um, I did a post about pit moss this week on, or rather Jill, maybe I did do it. I did do that one. Yeah, that's why it was so long. And Jill was like, that's the whole post? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I even cut out the part about using uh, 20% or less, you know, it's like, I really could go on and on about it, but I know they cut you off at some point too. <laughs> so I was like, I better just wrap it up here. Um, but my point goes back to that whole mining. It's like, here we, a, a bag of organic soil is supposed to be good, you know, but when you look behind it and you like start looking at the lens and you go through these layers, it's like mind, 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 mind. When you have places like pit moss or you have local anywhere, I'm in a town of 3000 people, but we have a huge amount of trees that are not getting chipped. We have I'm sure just as much stuff not getting recycled, paper, but you know what I mean? It's like when we start thinking in communal responsible ways, we can come up with these answers and essentially maybe a whole new potting soil if we even needed one. But um, I don't know, it's just stuff I think about. It's like, why is it my right to use such a thing? Where does it even come from? And like, why does it, you know what I mean? Like in order to just grow my food, like, but plants grow everywhere. So like what I've been working with Leighton with recently and why we understand this working so well uh, is I want to teach people to grow like the cottonwood grows. And when I teach people my seed to stash cannabis classes, that's what I talk about because I use uh, worms and cover crop and sometimes avocado tech, but definitely biology. Um, and before I forget, because I told Keith I would shout him out. You remember I asked you about uh, his quote formula on on uh, seeds and clones so he said on the podcast wasn't it farmer kyle was that right yep is it farmer kyle yeah so he was on that podcast which was great if y'all hadn't listened to that it's amazing uh but what he said was he waters with fish brew well with only water and fish brew twice in a four-day period and gets germination or maybe he didn't say that on there, but with only fish brew and he gets germination four days faster. That's what he said on the podcast. And then when I emailed him to ask, uh, he said, you know, here's the dilution ratio. I forget exactly. So I don't want to say it on here and mess people up, but you could email him. Um, and uh, you, he said, basically, yeah, you just, you, oh, he told me you get germination four days faster. Um but you only water twice within the four day period. So I didn't do that. I used his dilution ratio, but I'm listening to my soil and watering how I need to, but not kidding you. I put the seeds in the soil Saturday. I didn't do like a, a, a 12 hour water soak. I didn't do a baggie, none of that. I put them in my mouth for like 30 seconds while I close the seed pack and I put them in their soil and I have little necks coming up already, right? It's crazy. And I looked in my calendar, like I flipped back to the ones I started on the February full moon. Like these were two days after the full moon, but I do it for good tracking. And they were sure enough, four days later, crazy. Nice. So, but yeah, biology, it's all about the biology, right? Like that's what this is. So. <laughs> no, I never say that. Never, never. <laughs> But it is, I mean, but the thing is that Leighton talks about like the biology can't, well, in one hand, yes, it can fix the structure, but if the components aren't there, it can't put them there. 
you'd be waiting for a flood or something, right? Like, well, you know, that's, that's the difference. We talk about geological time versus human time. Right. Geological time, a thousand years is a blink, right? Wow. We live for 80 years. So every, we're in a hurry. Everything has to be next year, next year, next year. Right. So that, that's, that's the big issue. And, and you're, you're, you're spot on that chemistry is the only limiting factor to biology. But then when you allow geological time to come into play, those plants will find and pull up all of the nutrients that are necessary, die and leave that prep or prep the soil for the next succession. So it'll take care of it. It's just, you've got to be let go, let go and let the universe and not try to steer it, which is the hardest thing for humans because we're only here for so long that we, we feel the necessary to make everything beautiful the way we want it right now. And, and that's, that's a real struggle. And, and unfortunately most, Humans don't get that. And, and more often than not, they don't even want to think about it, dude. You know, how many heads in the sand right now? And, right. you know, that's what I'm looking at as a sandbank. And I was going to say, literally, almost nothing is more beautiful to me than what the creek's doing. Like when it does it, it's just like I love watching the water flow outside of its normal channel and just how it looks when it's flowing over other rocks or. Um, but so the, the I'll, I'll, I'll transition because Jill just walked up and but teaching people how the cottonwood grows and i say that because our logo is a cottonwood tree that grows out behind our house it's a friend that drew that logo for us um but it's the cottonwood tree that grows behind our house that our arborist friend in our community estimates to be about 150 years old so that's pretty rad um but what is going to be the silver lining of this since leighton like it was serendipitous how this happened because I was I was refraining from sending like a billion photos that were like of silt and all this stuff and like um, was thinking about resources. But again, like he said, I was in move mode. I'm like, I got to clear the read by the 15th. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I'm like, I don't have time to sift and sort and move. And like, uh, I just had to put on a different thinking cap, which is really hard sometimes when you like already think you know what you're going to do. But like, I, I forget how that even happened. Um, we were you, but you text me something about like something about Silton Clay and like Gaia sending me stuff and you're like I'm going to send you people you ready and I was like wait what <laughs> so like <laughs> uh, no, we, we were he convinces we were. me to have piles of, of silt and clay sitting around the property on sand now that I'm going to start sifting soon because I meant my, my machine work stops on the 15th you know so it's like cool. Now I have a lot of organization to do, but again, like it is about the biology, but like Layton's always trying to convince people. And I've seen this work. Otherwise I would not say it. I, I'm telling you, I've seen it work or I wouldn't be saying this. I've seen it like, like in my 12 years of buying quote, super soil or organic or organic matter, rather soil less media is really the official, right? There's no clay, there's no silt. Well, there might be some in it, but it's essentially humic organic compost or whatever that's what everybody's been going for and in the last 12 plus years that's what i've gone for but i also as a farmer have long known about the cec and the power of clay like the cation exchange capacity and the importance rather of clay and why i would prefer to grow in soil with mulch you have fungal connections happening there it's magic but until i really listen to somebody put this in logical context about soil horizons and how they work and what the a does and 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 essentially being a a, a lungs of a system or a bladder is another word maybe but i like lungs better but um 
it matters and it really, really, really matters. Like it's a difference. So you can have all the biology in the world in a, in a pot of soilless media or whatever else. It does not work the same as when you have the soil structure properly there. And I would argue even having those two together, you can get away with chemistry imbalances a little better. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think I'm positive. Yeah, I'm positive of that. But anyway, like I said, Jill walked up here. She's here listening to me rant. You should all say hi to her. <laughs> the boss is home is what you're saying, right? The Thanks for spelling your name right too, Ken. <laughs> Thank Jillian, and you're welcome. You sent me an email with the right spelling, and that was the spelling I used. So anybody that's coming on the show, give me your right spelling so I, I, I can use the right spelling. You know, I, I cry. Thank you. I love a good reader. Anyone who reads all the details, that's uh, my, my people. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, it was so heartfelt and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you did get a chance to really explain how you got here because a lot of the guests will just roll through those experiences, those ups and those downs, those trials and tribulations. And I don't think it gives the same impact. I don't think it gives people the the drive, the faith, the, the, the hope, the goal to, to keep pushing when things are not going well. And, and, you know, those, those times of darkness, those times of hardship, those are so important in, in what I want to call, you know, spiritual husbandry, like really getting to know yourself and, and how you react in, in, you know, times of tribulation. Um, you know, we had a guest on uh, recently who, you know, was like, oh, just go to people that, that like you. And I'm like, no, you're missing the point. You know, you, you, you have to stick your toes into the dark water. You have to do the shadow work. You have to understand that people need to hear the voice of reason. They need to hear hope and, and potential and all of the things as they travel through the darkness so that maybe they can pop their head up. And he was adamant about like, oh, you, no, no, only go where you're invited and, and don't waste time trying to teach people who don't want to learn. And it's like, no, because sometimes you actually get through and, and yeah. that's part of your yeah. And, you know, that was what the beautiful part that, that really came out of you spending the time that you did to try to explain why or how you ended up where you are here today. So thank yeah. you. And that was I told Jill about that because I watched that episode somehow. I almost never have time to watch these just based on like how things function in our life as they're live. I mean, but yep. I, I got to watch that one live. Um, and so in in the one hand, the thing that I told her was that like. Maybe on paper, you would say or something like that, then this is not my feeling or belief, because um, I mean, no disrespect whatsoever to Dan. I wouldn't hold a candle on paper to Dan or his accreditations, right? And even the things that I've done with certifying a farm, like it's just not even close. Um, that's like his resume, right? It's just like, oh my God, a portfolio, whatever you want to say. But I also agree with you and and like the moment, because you said fighting a war or something like that. was yeah. like what you said. And I was like, whoa. Uh, Cause like, it was just one of those things where like to be accepting, like, you know, I, I um, I'll just leave it here, but I, I, that's my calling as well. You know what I mean? So it's just like to each their own is how I was getting at it. It's yeah. like, if that's, and we, all, we are all, yeah, we're yeah. all intricate gears in this beautiful, 100%. crazy clock. Right. Called exactly. Time. It takes right? a community for sure. Yeah. 
for sure. But I believe that my role is creating awareness and you can't just go where you're invited. I can't just go where I'm invited is what no. I'm saying. I very much, I know my soul knows that I'm here to pull people up. Agreed. Even if I know that I still have somewhere to go, right? Or even if they drag you down a little, either well, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you have the awareness, right? You just win or learn, never lose. That's the thing. Exactly, exactly. So. Beautiful words, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing today. Yeah. And are you bouncing or are you going to stay with us? I'll if the baby wakes, I'll bounce, but I'll hang here. I'll just let Jill talk. You know, she's got a chair, I guess. So. Oh. <laughs> All right, Jill. Welcome to the show. And, and a little bit about your background, too. So where did you come from and how did you end up here? Yeah. Well, born and raised in this beautiful state um, in Phoenix. So city girl. Um started teaching elementary school and got really involved in in school garden work and kind of plugged into local farm community doing that work and met Josh at the farmers market um of course he was I was you know on my broke teacher salary and he was selling the cheapest uh, veggies so I would beeline it right to his table not only were they cheap but they were delicious um, because he knew how to grow prolifically, so he was able to to feed the masses. But um, and really, just loved the connection of of the two systems of food and education, which are both a little bit overwhelming in their current state. In, uh, in certainly the Western this this world that we live in here and in, in, in the U.S. and um, lots of lots of connectivity of uh, how they can influence each other systematically and and the way that um, of course we have the the young minds that that get to help change all of that and ours as well we can other young and old we can all do the change but we've got this these next generations of of beings who can um, begin to shape. Uh, the uh, a world in a in a sustainable way too. So and learn from all you know cultures and and communities and 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 build each other up. So that's what I've been doing for the last ten plus years. And and then we moved to this awesome place to um, just can continue that journey in like a slightly different way. But we're not far from from that original community in in Phoenix and. Um, we get to spend a lot of time down there as well. So up here in the Verde Valley, we've also kind of branched out into different fields in addition to, to educating, um, but, you know, just hosting all, all kinds of workshops. So not just related to, you know, to school topics, but um, of course, all the growing. And I have the pleasure of working with a midwife up here. And we do, I do a lot of birth education as well. So um, get to work with new parents as they are, are um, kind of honing into the last special time of their pregnancy and, and preparing for birth. And there's so that we, you know, the, the similarities, of course, it's all biology. So it's all the same when it, you know, <laughs> plants, animals, humans. I actually saw a seed the other day. I was with Aster and um, we were at the park and the seed was like coming out of, or the, the sprout was coming out of the, the seed that was like, you know, in concrete, uh, coming up from concrete. It looked like a sunflower seed, but it wasn't. But the sprout was coming out, you know, it, like it was coming out like butt first. It looked like a breech baby. And I just couldn't get over how, you know, it wasn't that like perfect. And just the way that 
the way that life is so powerful and, and the way that seeds just want to be in the world, starting new life, same as, same as babies, you know, they'll do it, anything that they can just to, to be able to get here and, um, and come earthside. So um, that's, yeah, that's how we spend our, that's how I spend my time. That's how we spend our time. Um, and, and our, our partnership is unique because it's, we, we combine all sorts of, um, of, we do, we have different brains, so we get to lean on each other and support, you know, it's like being married to the Lorax. I'm sort of the, the translator who, uh, well, I've been chopping down trees this week, apparently. <laughs> you what? Been killing trees this week, apparently. Hey, 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 you haven't been killing anything, brother. That was nature doing its thing. Coming to the willow. <laughs> <laughs> That's nature. Okay. She's doing her thing. And and you're you are stewarding, you're assisting in what we call evolutionary strategies. Yeah. So common thing. Plan to do a replant. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Your your orchard's going right there, isn't it? Right near there. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. The fruit trees, but we're going to put more riparian trees down there. Probably this Earth Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, and you know that, and I'm getting off topic, but I'm going there anyway. That that vineyard that you created with those baskets of rock and everything else are really supporting a more advanced riparian system. You, you, you put the foundation in yeah. for that river to really express itself. Yeah. And it was crazy. Of new species that will work in polyculture. And, you know, for the audience, I wish they all could go there. And if you can definitely Airbnb there, it is one of the most incredibly spiritually powerful areas it, it definitely has some kind of vortex up there and it's this like emerald necklace that runs through the desert so you got you know high desert on both sides and it dips down into this little valley where it's just lush and it it's cooler the air is is much more oxygenated it's just a special place and again you know kudos to you guys because you deserved it you earned it and and the Gaia the universe provided and so you know enjoy I guess is what I should say and never hesitate in following your your gut instincts Joshua when you're out there with a chainsaw or with a digger or the excavator whatever it is that you got skid steer just just go with it man trust your trust your intuition and your your instincts because you you're absolutely doing the right thing right and uh, and so that was kind of off topic but. Jill, I wanted to ask you, have you ever heard of uh, Anastasia and the Ringing Cedars? No. It's a book. And, and the book itself um, takes you down a rabbit hole that is, is almost unbelievable. And so a lot of people read the first book and be just say this is garbage, right? But if you continue to read on, there's not only some really really amazing parental advice about how to deal with a brand new baby and and how to allow that baby to experience life without being distracted with perhaps mobiles and toys and noises and and some of the other things that that we as parents are are programmed to believe that it's the right way to parent um, you know, her philosophies are she just sets the baby in a field and just walks away. You know, she keeps an eye on it, but yeah, yeah, right. Lets the baby, right. She lets the baby, you know, play with, with bugs and, and, you know, 
dig up sticks. And, and so that, that would have been the way we, as, as an earlier species, would have brought our children up because we were all busy, you know, hunter and gathering. And so there was no toys. There was no programming of television, cell phones, talking toys, you know, things that buzz light, light up and distract. Yes. Um, so anyway, I, I really highly suggest you get the, the series. Yeah. yeah. And check it out. You, you're going to just be like, Oh my God, this is so intuitive. Why, why aren't we all doing this? <laughs> no, it's really all about that. We, we, I use the word intuition just all the time. I feel like in, in classes because it's, we have, it's so similar of, of, sort of this, you know, this stripping away, that distillation to be able to listen to all the wisdom that we have. Okay, um, and uh, that is definitely true at a time like, you know, birth or, or child rearing. And, um, but yeah, there's, it's that, it's, it's the, the similar system of being able to listen and learn. And, um, you know, often that, you know, Joshua always say he doesn't like to teach anyone how to garden. And maybe he kind of, you know, talked about this. There's not one perfect gardening book, just like there's not one perfect how to have your baby book. You know I mean? There's just, a, there's so much information and, um, and we don't, we don't need that one perfect book because we have all of the, we have all the answers. We just have to to open and, and, and listen and learn from those who came before. And, um, so really, so we, you know, it's, it's all, it's all very similar. It's all so connected, but spring, we're definitely feeling this new renewed energy this spring and feeling so affected by the, by the season and, and yeah, inspired and, um, ready to, it's just, it's just amazing how, how cyclical, when we can tune into living cyclically, how, how powerful it is. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling this spring more than, more than I think I ever have, but, um, that's well, she's, she's giving you the energy, you know, she's yeah. giving you the energy and, and, yeah. you know, that's important because you guys are what we call very bright lights, but often the brightest lights get sucked the most energy out of them because you are such a bright light. So, that's why she's charging you up because she's gonna kick, turn around, kick you in the ass later in the season. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. It's uh, we For know sure. that gratefully. I'll gratefully so, kick around. So, Jill, uh, please do share a little bit about your COVID experience because, as Joshua shared, you know, you guys were like like us. Like, what, wait, what? They shut the world down? Wait. <laughs> What? what what is going on? I was the only one oh, drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I literally one day, you know, I'd say probably two months in, I just looked at Pauline and I was like, "Hey, where are all those mushrooms?" She's like, well, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Well, the mushrooms that you use, you know, or used to use to to get off your antidepressants." And she goes, "Well, what? what are you going to take mushrooms?" I'm like, "I I feel the need to like I got to do something here. Like I I can't just sit here." reading about all of this information that's being thrown at me from people that I know are playing fucking serious games and, and this smells really nasty and I don't feel good about it and I don't know where it's going. And I felt that I needed a reset. And so I ended up resetting and it, it helped tremendously, but please tell me, tell me what you went through, you know, when that time hit. 
You know, I'm actually really grateful for the timing of it all because I, you know, our, our daughter was born March of 2020, March 2nd of 2020. And I don't think I entirely was prepared for like the postpartum period. I hadn't spend, spent a lot of time around newborns in my life. I'm like the youngest and um, I never, like I didn't work in nurseries or, and so I, I, I truly had no idea. And um the, there was some comfort in the fact that everyone was in their homes being quiet. And, and certainly for those initial months when, um, when everyone was just sort of seeing what was, you know, going on. And so it forced us to be certain very insular as a, as a family with the, with our newborn. And, you know, there's the, 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 that, the fourth trimester, like the first 40 days or a bunch of books written about how especially Eastern cultures um, hold that time so sacred and that my, truly it, it is a time where parents don't leave their newborn and you don't leave the house and you you really create this this cozy, very um, kind of soft, slow environment as this life is, you know, entering in the world and changing. And, and um, so we were able to do that. And I, and that is a credit to Josh, who really just encouraged us to, to be that way. And I don't think if COVID, if it wasn't exactly at that same time, I would have maybe had a harder time. I would have had more FOMO. I would have had kind of more of those, the societal norms of like, Oh, I just had my baby like yesterday and I'm going to the coffee shop, you know, like, look at me. I'm doing so great. Uh, and, and yes, we have those energies where we're, where of course you want to get out, you know, with your baby and enjoying the world. But there's a lot of pressure for women to just like have your baby and get back in the, you know, world, if you will. And, and there was no world to get uh, back into. So I, I learned so much and it was really challenging to just be in the, you know, bed for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, and so I, I kind of have this very skewed uh, of perspective, I think, of it all, because um, I will say that my christening as a new mom has fully usurped in my memory COVID. And I am actually really so happy for that, too. It's like the there's... Um, there was so much going on and there, it was so emotional and it was so emotional for the world. Um, and, and it's almost like I, they just, they, since they happened at the same time, I can't even separate them really. And I think we had a kind of unique experience that way because then we, um, we moved, you know, out of the city pretty quickly in July. And so then we were in a place that was, was pretty quiet then for the rest of those, you know, it's two years as it all kind of continued and, and unfolded. Um, so certainly there was all of that, you know, uncertainty and, and um, you know, a little bit of that fear and, but, I was just such a roller coaster anyway that there was um, I don't know I have a unique it's not a it's a it's kind of a unique perspective I guess on it all because well, and, and that's the reason I asked is because Joshua told um, us that uh, your child was born um, a few days before the shutdown so you know in many ways you know in my mind again that that you know the universe hard is work um, that was all for a reason was so that you exactly. didn't go through postpartum 
and forced back into the workforce and we're allowed to spend that really critical critical time with your child i mean we we as a society are just so gung-ho to throw everybody right back in the into the works and if you do not allow that bonding of the family at that critical time you're you're separating them forever the, the end result is very similar to what happens here in western society where we throw our parents in the nursing home write them off get our kids to college write them off and then we get written off and it's really sad because like the europeans and a lot of the other countries in the world your grandparents are brought into the house you're you're a family as a unit not not segregated and separated off into your own realms so yeah. that's and that was that's just a beautiful example of you know divine timing for you sure. Know. And because it, what like this, the way that, you know, and I, I have definitely perspective on, on how privileged we were to be able to do that. And I say that with a true understanding. I mean, there is a, what a, the way that our, the, you know, we have structures that are not, fi we're not supporting families, you know, in that early time financially and with, with leave and, and with disability. And so there's, I mean, this is a series of series of conversations that fold into it. So I, I don't say that lightly as like, oh, I would, you know, everyone should just be at home for 40 days. I mean, that's just, it's wild that that's not, you know, that that is so, so hard to do. Um, for most families in our in our country, so I, I don't say it lightly, and and certainly lots of change needs to needs to happen that way. And it was for I mean we were you know we were both teachers, and so all of a sudden schools didn't even know it was like what is school? I mean we didn't know if we had job. We we, we essentially just lost our you know our jobs were dissolving because they were kind of these fringe roles in school. So it, schools had to make decisions for. Um, you know, what is prioritizing this, like, you know, I've administrators and teachers and friends have said this is the two hardest years of their lives in education, you know, people who've been teaching for 40 plus years. So um, uh, it just was a, there was just a series of, of, of situations that all, that all happened. And lots of it was, was scary, if you will, and, and hard. And so we, um, but I think we, we were able to, to, just sit with each other and just sit in the, you know, togetherness, even amongst some of the, the turmoil. And, and I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. You know, and I, I say the same thing. I was so blessed. Pauline and I moved into this house in California on the fourth. So two days after your baby, baby was born and the world shut down on the sixth and it was scary as hell and it was crazy. And, um, you know, we would be walking on, we'd go to the walk on the beach every day because we're like, well, you know, I've researched all morning. I'm sick of reading up on this stuff. I, I, I let's just get out of here. And so we were allowed to spend some incredibly quality time together um, at a very important junction of her life. Yeah. Uh, so again, amongst all the turmoil, cause I was not, I was not considered, uh, what was, what was the work status? Um, you were either important or not. Um, yeah, I forget what they call essential, it. Non-essential or essential. Non I was non-essential, right? <laughs> so, you know, it was like, wait, what? What do you mean I can't work? What, what is this? And so, you know, but it forced me to reflect deeper on on who I am, what I was doing. You know, I did I did the, the mushroom trip and, and we spent a lot of time going to vortexes. There's a bunch of them out here. 
Um, and just spending the day, you know, in, in nature and, and just reveling at it. And I look back at it now and I'm, I'm so blessed because I really would never have gotten to know Pauline at such a deep spiritual level that I did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, I was, I, I'm very blessed as well. And, and, okay. and I, I, I'm glad you shared that because I thought that, you know, that's, that's kind of important for people to start now to think back about where they were and what was happening to them because so many people became aware. So many people woke up and I, I'm, I'm going to use the term woke because the true term of that is when you finally open your eyes and say, wait a minute, what? Right. That's the first question. Wait a minute. What? And that leads you on a path to start to question your actions, question what you're doing, who you are, why you're here. We've all of that's been taken away from us. We're, we're not allowed to to figure out who we're supposed to be or, or got given the opportunity to take other paths. We're, we're jammed into a career that we probably don't like working with people that we probably don't like and doing stuff that just to earn a paycheck to to do what? Right. To pay for things that I don't necessarily need. So, you know, again, I'm using you guys as a sounding board for the audience and for the future listeners to this to take the time to reflect back on where you were when the shit went down and, and how it made you feel and what you learned from it, because it was a huge setback for, for the globe. And, you know, we just now have fit where I feel like we're just now really finding our, just like so comfortably gathering with people and, and, and right. Maybe in the last year or so, we've just found this wonderful group of friends and so many of whom have little children. We all were just going, what just happened? Like, I don't even think we know what happened and we watch how it, you know, what school, what our, you know, what our, the son was like out of school for two, essentially out of school for two years in the middle of, you know, at the end of middle school and like, what that is to, it's all everyone's just going what i mean we are day by day still trying to kind of still just come out of it all and 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 fill in gaps and and but work towards a new paradigm for sure not saying we need to return but just making sure that everyone's just okay look it when i when i came back you were saying something and it um it really jogged something that i also is just like it's a heartstring and a live by um, it was the things like you were like, people are like, what am I, why something, but you, you didn't say how, which I appreciate. So the thing is like, I didn't, I left this out when I said I was drinking morning beers for most of my adult life. I've struggled with depression, right? Also anxiety. I still struggle with anxiety, like on a daily, but depression, I think I've got it mostly figured out how to keep it at bay. Um, most days, at least for the past few years with my daughter, I think she, has kept some whimsical thing alive in me that I thought was dead since my 14 year old, you know, it's like, it's a long time. It's a long age gap difference. Um, I thought I was going to be a lot more tired and already dealing with depression being that she was on the doorstep. And then, you know, when she got here, um, but also, you know, psilocybin does help people just saying, um, but what you said is the why and and the what am I? And I believe, you know, like you were saying, the fundamental issue with a lot of mental dis uh, mental, what do we call health. it? Just health issues. 
our purpose is the lack of purpose, you know, and be how it can, however constructed that lack of purpose may be, you know, some people have different theories on how sinister that is or whatever. Um, but we lack community. We lack a tribal sense of need for each other to have purpose. We lack that communal ability to hold space while somebody figures out what their purpose is. And instead we're going through these career tracks and anxiety and with these mental uh, health issues, you know, eating drugs and um, never mind. That's a different tangent, but we always ask ourselves how, 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 how? And it's like, one of the things I was listening to was Les Brown and other little motivational things, but Les Brown is, is amazing. And what I was listening to. And one of the things that I credit him for saying, because this is where I first heard it was when you start with how you're already going to, how it's a prohibiting question. Um, it, it immediately, it, it suggests there's a hurdle there rather than if you know the what and the why are clear, the how just moves out of the way. It becomes literally just becomes a part of the process. Like it becomes a statement, not a question. This is how I did it. Um, and, but it's that fundamental what and why that we don't really a lot of times get to ask ourselves, like you said, the spiritual husbandry or whatever, but I believe that to be like one of the biggest flaws, however it came to be, you know, that we just need that ability for us to each look into what our purpose is and not, and it's not as a lot of times it's not as surface as it appears to be, unfortunately, but or I mean, you know, how, and it can change right. too. You know, we go through phases and we cycle through and we play different roles. And well, nonetheless, um, having a purpose, I'm saying having a driving cause, being a purpose, not just pay my bills, wake up and pay my bills. Like that's a fear based logic and it's scary and it's cyclical rather than a hope based logic of being plugged in and driven. Like what and why am I doing this today? Right. You know? And that's that's the key right there is that you had the opportunity to invest in yourself and not be subject to a corridor, a lane or a path that you right. hold down. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the, this, this is the conversation I was out of this is that, you know, the, the, the depth and the beauty and the, the ability for, for, you know, us to, to, to influence or to encourage or to provide hope or, a dream to someone else out there, you know, um, you know, that's what it's all about, man. It's, it's, it's all about that. We have the opportunity, we have a platform, we have a voice and, and others perhaps don't. And therefore it's kind of our job. It's kind of a respect thing that we respect that we have these things that right. we put, produce things that can help other benefit other people. And, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, you you clearly know. I take this shit pretty seriously. <laughs> but it, it's like it's like the fungi, you know. The fungi is a is omnipresent and resource acquisition. Like it is non prejudice in a sense. A lot of times, but like I'm, I guess I'm referring to saprophytic myceliums, really, and just that it can be such a neuro network of the soil of how it is breaking things down. But it's not necessarily a it's just breaking things down, you know what I mean? But it's plugged in, it's together, it's not, um, it's omnipresent. It's like, everything's a resource. So including social media, right? Like we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube right now, 
using this for what we would, I, I hate using the word good, but for using it for good, right? Um, I've got stupid stuff on YouTube is what I'm saying. And I've definitely yeah. watched stuff on Instagram. So, um, but we only have limited hours, we think. And so it's like, I, I'm, yeah, definitely saying it's about the omnipresence and the platform or the energy and the wind that's out there and using it while it's there, you know? Or being responsible steward is, is probably the better way to put it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where you were getting at. And you're right. It is. And, you know, what's even more interesting is that in 2021, um, some new information had come out about mycelium. And the fact that we all assumed that inside that core was just saprophytes. Well, it's not. It's it's endophytes. It's mycorrhizae. It's bacteria, protozoa moving in and out, you know, endophytically into the different types of fungi. Right. And they're all sharing and, and providing that, that sustenance for each other to move forward, which is exactly what the fuck we're doing here. <laughs> and, and it just makes sense. I mean, you know, from a logical perspective like removing yourself entirely in objective or observationist perspective it makes perfect sense and like we should learn to behave more similarly is what i'm you know thinking yeah is, and i think i think that's the beauty of what you guys are doing up there you found your lane you found a new group of people who are like-minded um less less forced into that lane um, and more free to, to, to move about. I mean, one of the things that just blew my mind last summer was, you know, we did, we did an improv to a soil day at your place. And you're like, Hey, can I, you know, can I bring some, a couple of friends? I'm like, yeah, go for it. Right. How many people showed up there that day? I think there was like, uh, maybe, I don't know. I remember like maybe 15, maybe. Not Dude, sure. there was a lot of people rolled in and out, and I paid attention to this. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it was really, this was really important to me because when I did the first one, um, I, I was like, this was the first time I'd been out in public since Pauline's passing, and I actually ended up having an anxiety attack. I don't have. Um, and, and it made me realize, like, oh, my God, like, I've, 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 I've been crippled. I've, I've, I've been set back here and and so i started paying attention to how many people were there because you know i'm like why am i having an anxiety attack there's only like 10 wait a minute there's like 25 people here <laughs> right and the reason i'm going there is i was forced to start to pay attention to why that happened to me because normally i could stand up in front of 200 people and not even lose a beat like i, I don't care right so i started paying attention to Every one of them I did, I think I did six of them in total. And there were usually between 30 and 50 people. And some of them rolled in and out, but there was at least that many bodies at each one of these. Two years prior, three years prior to this, um, I would be lucky to get three or four people to show up. And, and none of them asked intelligent questions. Whereas, you know, I don't think... I got a dumb question out of anyone at every one of these. They were all super intelligent. People had obviously been doing the work behind the scenes. They obviously spent that period of COVID to learn more about food or soil or soil health or, or any of these topics that are just so critical to the future of humanity in, in, on so many levels. Like we can't continue to just eat pharmaceuticals and eat processed foods that we have no control over. Right. And so, you know, that was like, again, part of the 
thing that came to me is like, wow, a lot of people really woke up during that period of time. And, you know, that great reset, whatever you want to call it, um, probably is the last hope we have to really stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. I, I'm not going to be your prisoner. And so anyway, I'm going down a, a place I don't want to go, but you know, it's, it's more about let's, let's, let's keep it light. Let's keep it fluffy. Let's, let's encourage people to, you know, think about the options that they have. Like, like you guys, I mean, you, nothing was set in stone, right? Everything was like in flux and, but yet look where you landed, let landed, look where you ended up in, in this beautiful spot in this incredible emerald necklace on, on a mountainside. Yeah, ton of ton of work and you know and and gratitude and sacrifice and but just doing it all with um definitely an open open to to possibilities, I think has been has been consistent. We have stayed open. We have also, you know, we've had our moments and we will continue to do so, I think. And you know, we'll call you Leighton because we do have to talk about but I'm here for you guys 24 7, 365. Lots of learning, especially from, you know, old school. This, there's so many wonderful people in our neighborhood and, and community and communities all over the, you know, world who are, uh, have so much knowledge. So just always asking, always learning. We certainly uh, don't, yeah, we are not the imparters of knowledge. We are the sharers of experiences. That's, 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 you can't, you, you can't put a value on experience. Yeah. You can't, you know, yeah. that's, that's who drives us. That's who makes us who we end up to be. So, um, so tell me uh, more about um, what you're doing up there at the farm, Jill. I know, you know, Josh is doing his thing running around like a madman, but I know you're a big part of that backbone up there. So please do yeah. share. Yeah. We just, we have lots of different roles for sure. Um, gosh, right now I've, I'm, just loving learning more about flowers. And I mean, I'll put anything in a, you know, vase and put it on a table and, and put a glass of wine next to it and call it a party. So I, I, I love just walking around and, 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 and looking at different blue. I mean, recently we had a, or actually it was last, last summer we had a last spring, one of the pear tree, I like cut, we were trimming pears, but you know, the pear blossoms are just gosh, so white and beautiful and I was like I'm putting this inside you know I cut a branch and put it inside and like the next couple of days I was like who peed like I would walk <laughs> and like, what smells like <clears throat> like what it, you know of course it was the pear that particular pear giving off a, the it's it's ceremony scent from its blossoms that were so strong and powerful but yeah I'll put onion seed blossoms in the inside um so loving flowers loving a journey with flowers um and right let's and, go back she took a flowering branch of a pear tree and put it in a vase <laughs> yeah but it wasn't like, I, I wasn't going to stop the pear the pear tree needed to be pruned okay this True was last spring i'm just talking about her creativity we had it pruned it also <laughs> anything I, goes in a vase is what she said it needed to be pruned including fruiting trees <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's always fun journey with flowers. Um, and any, any sort of way that we can organize, you know, folks to, 
to come here and 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 um, in different ways. So that's kind of what I do as well. Manage the the Airbnb and but in terms of the you know biology and um, I mean, gosh, I just I learned so much from Josh. So really, it's 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 running everything by him. But sort getting started this this spring with um, you know starts and really kind of getting a handle on I would say this spring season is a lot of. Um, the learning that I've done in these last couple of months. I'm, I'm so quick to put seeds outside. I'm just so quick to plant. And then we get these, you know, frosts. And so really just watching and learning and having a little bit more patience so that things don't have to be redone because we've certainly done that as well. So having a little more patience and learning from, from systems and take that, you know, take their time. So already we know what, what we've got to prepare for, for the fall. And so just kind of honing in on some of those seasonal systems, I would say is what I'm kind of focused on right now, just to, to, um, yeah. 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 No, uh, yeah. Like Phoenix, you can grow year round 365 and you can't hear. It's just the seasonal changes are much harder. And so I honestly had a, a learning curve of like, no, it's, it's really more of that you plant and you harvest like there's a there is a growing season outside uh then we have a greenhouse and obviously ken just had the the grow bed well one of the grow beds inside but like so that's all it's about the season extensions also and just listening like she said learning and while we wanted to push forward the first you know year and two it's like also we've been in tandem observing like really really observing um and but but to honestly answer that question not to like say she didn't but like any of that stuff you're looking at, all the digital, unless they're long rants, that's me, but like the digital stuff, like she eloquent, eloquently puts things together. She did our entire website. Like she makes um, me not be a hermit. <laughs> she yes, I'm helps, the translator. She helps tell our, yeah, she's the translator. There you go. She translates our story to I people. I translate wood nymph if anyone wants to know she, how to speak wood nymph. She, just she speaks know. person, <laughs> speak plant and soil. So, like, you know, I am a people person, and but, um, but like that's that's just it. I don't speak digital anything, and like so she does all the Instagram, and it's funny when I do one, she's like, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but that's how I want to plant something, right? She's like, over here, like, dude, my little three-gallon pot that I had the horizons going in. She's like, yeah, I just put this seed in. So she's like, I found this one pot in the greenhouse. It had like clay in the middle and like worms. I was like, fuck, cool, glad it worked. Like, I was experimenting with that, but it's good. <laughs> so you know, we do our own, and we crash into our other. Our, we we crash each other's party sometimes. Oh yeah, we're always always but, learning. But yeah, different, different. She's learning better than I am, though. I don't do, <laughs> I don't do well, that. you know, it's in many ways you complete each other, and that's what I noticed when I met you guys, and and yeah. we had you on that other podcast, which was again a beautiful um, story and summary of your two lives and, and the directions you're taking, which is you know again what it's all about. Yeah. So. Yes, we do. And we were certainly com completed as well by our community and, um, and the so, little thing. yes. And our kiddos and our dog, and we've just got all sorts of life everywhere. Super grateful. Wow. She's getting big. Yeah. yeah. What do you, <laughs> what are you feeding her? <laughs> Obviously good stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
that was funny the irony about um i love Car farmer kyle because i i've already talked to you about like getting acreage going nebraska right but like it uh, one person commented on that they were like are we talking about feeding corn to cows <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes we are <laughs> but we all got to start somewhere you know Yep, These are absolutely. Biologically grown corn fed to cows, son. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so that's cool. I thought that was a, a great episode, but it just goes to show it's like there is no perfect man, and there's also no right and wrong. It's like when we operate in intrinsics, we get in trouble, you know? Agreed. You just have to, you know? And I love the way you, you say there's, there's no good or evil. And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. There's all shades of. Um, it, it's well, there's, all, there's imbalances, right? Yeah, it's all important. I mean, how would you know if you did something right if there was nothing wrong to measure it by? Yeah, and, exactly. So but what I is what's down? Different levels or imbalances or concentrations at times, right? Yeah, recently. Like, yeah. But no, mm -hmm. most deaf, they're, they're both needed. You can't have light without dark and vice versa. Agreed. Agreed, 100%. Well, uh, Ken, were there any questions that we wanted to jump into? Because we're almost pushing the two-hour mark. Yeah, thank you, guys. <laughs> well, we've actually got a couple. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, uh, what it's a, uh, a boost. Now, you were talking about soaking uh, your seeds. You were putting them in your mouth, and then you were using Kyle's uh, formulation um, at his dilution rate before yeah. you planted. That was Keith. Keith, Keith, yeah. Keith, Keith, yeah, from Fish Brew. Um, so, like, uh, I sent Leighton a really cool video talking about an enzyme, but, like, we won't go down enzymes right now, but, like, that's the short of it, is amylase is an enzyme that your mouth is, saliva, right? Your mouth uh, is amylase. So more than, like, the pH or any of the other, like, attributions that might come with saliva soaks it's one of those like spiritual woo woo like I, and i don't always do it like um actually for the last couple years as i've transitioned into regenerative i've gotten away from my tried and true which was like water like a pure pure water or well water i mean but just not usually city water for me uh with my cannabis seed specifically and i would do like a little bit of h2o2 so hydrogen peroxide to like sterilize the shell and then i would do like a 12 hour soak or so in water um just straight water and then i would put them in the baggie like i used to do that whole thing right in like day three they have a little tail before i did that i would just do soil and but i didn't see the reliability and germination especially as you get into better and better seeds you're not you know you're like nah dude i need a hundred percent of those things to pop man that was a big that was expensive pack so you're always trying to find what works and but i went out on the, i mean i've used fish brew as as contact solution no i'm just kidding don't do that but like I think <laughs> it works for like everything um like i was i'm literally amazed and i have went back to soil just because i believe in the biointelligence of it i don't really want to sterilize my seed coats with h2o2 plus i don't need to waste peroxide it's a whole other step i have to like have different shot glasses of each variety out and what they are and it's like heaven forbid aster comes in like like whoa 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 mystery crop going down you know so like, <laughs> um, i put them right where they go in their home and they uh but like i said i'm serious i did this 10 a.m on saturday um and i went in there this morning to mist the soil with fish brew this the fish brew solution and i believe he said it's 
25 mils to 100 mils for what we're talking about. His cloning was like a one-to-one. And I'm like thinking, dude, I have a lot of clones I got to cut and I need like a five-gallon bucket. I don't have that much fish brew, homie. And that's a lot of freaking money. So I won't be doing that. Um, but I did do, I just took two clones actually, after all, I, I was planning something for a long while, but totally we just went other way with it and simplified my work. I took two clones. They look happy. I, you know, plunged them in some aloe from the greenhouse and I just put them in my, you know, quote, biointelligent soil. Um, and I've watered them with the fish brew dilution at one-to-one. So kept it really moist and they seem like they're going to go, I'll let you know in a couple of weeks or whatever, however long it takes, but I've never had cannabis seeds come out of soil from Saturday to Monday. That's a That's beautiful really, thing. Heck yeah. I mean, that little silver neck, you know, it's like just coming out of the soil. It's like one of my favorite things to see. I'm like, it's like a purple, purple, silver, you know, like I know exactly what that is. <laughs> well, I, I'd love to, I'd love to add a little caveat to that is um, yeah. I had a, a full blown um, Native American uncle. Uh, Uncle Cy. And um, when I was a little boy, he kind of took me under his wing. Um, there was pretty much mostly uh, daughters on, on his side of the family. And so for whatever reason, he, you know, took me under his wing, taught me how to fish. And um, one of the things he talked about was uh, the importance of putting anything you planted in your mouth first uh -huh. uh, for for imprinting your intentions was the way that he sure. And later on in life, um, I ran into the understanding of horizontal gene transfer, which oh, is basically when your RNA right. um, is exposed to that seed's coding biology. And this is another thing that people really don't understand the importance oh, of. But I 100% believe it. You know, the yeah, even, like I said with the dogs. Right. You don't want to, to strip the biology of the outside of that seed. You want to leave everything intact. Right. And then I found the book. Uh, Anastasia and the singing cedars and she too talked about how important it is to soak that seed in your mouth before you plant it so there's there's a lot more to that than, than yeah you've told me about this book series at one point in our conversation I yep. forget what we were talking about but I remember you bringing it up uh, it's something we were been talking about too so yeah it, can, it gets deep really quick but if you have an open mind um, and you allow yourself to really uh, move through some of the thoughts and theories in this book, it's pretty fucking powerful. And it's yet to be proven that it isn't real. I'll tell oh, you that. Sure. It's yeah. yet to be proven that it isn't real. So right. I'll leave it on that note. But go ahead, Ken. On to the next one. Okay. Uh, we have Silly Lily. Um, I referenced a book I got years ago from Rose, uh, Rosemary Gladstone. Uh, Medical Herbs, has your guest written a book on herbalism? I referenced the book I got years from it. She was asking you, did you have you written a book yet, Josh? And no, he hasn't yet, but he is working on one. It's yes. funny. Like, so uh, again, you can be a test to it. Like I, I, um, I can comfortably say I'm a humble person and almost too humble in some ways where I do believe I can impart knowledge that or experience, I can impart experiences that I believe help people. And 
all the time people ask me, have you written a book? Will you write a book? Have you done a podcast? Will you do this? And I'm like, do you want to be a stenographer for me? I mean, for real, follow me around for hours. I'm happy to just, you print the shit. Um, <laughs> but like, but I, it, it is often and all the time. And I, I've told you about our intern. I'm so blessed this weekend. Uh, we have another intern through my herbalism teacher I told you about. She's now, you know, so now we are here are 12 years later or some change and she's sending me interns. Um, so I have a guy that comes up once a month uh, and, and he brought his wife because they're both passionate about what we're doing. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's such an amazing. Do you have any recommendations for herbalism books in addition to the one? Oh yeah. If you want recommendations for herbalism books, if you, my absolute favorite herbalism book is called 300 herbs and it's by Matthew Alfs. Um, because it's written, he, you, you it's, it's a user-friendly approach. If I give it one critique, it has zero pictures. So you just have to kind of know your plants and, but you can Google it. It gives you the bi Latin binomial, which is incredibly important to call something a common name is incredibly dangerous in herbalism. Right. So like, um, marigold, it's like, well, which marigold do you mean? French marigold or pot marigold? One is incredibly medicinal. The other is like a good garden plant. Like they're both good garden plants, but French marigold and calendula are two different plants. So saying marigold is just going to confuse people, right? Calendula officinalis is a Latin binomial that refers to calendula alone. So yeah, 300 herbs is my absolute favorite. Um, because you, the appendixes are amazing. There's a variety of appendixes, but you, if you, especially if you have even a base knowledge of herbalism, it's the wealth. Like if my house is burning down, that's the book I would grab for herbs, right? I swear. And I mean, there's a few herb books behind us. There's like a half a dozen down on the shelf and big hardy textbook herb books, but this little pocket one is the one. Um, and, but as far as my herbal medicine cabinet, I know you didn't ask, but calendula is like my nature's neosporin lemon balm is my because i've i have two kids right and i don't go to doctors often so fevers included lemon balm is the fever reducer headache herb that i go to that's melissa officinalis um i mean those are pretty much my like two i have some cough syrup formulas and stuff it's a little too complicated for right here but um I'm happy to share them if people reach out. It's just, you know, I'm blessed to still be an herbalist in a sense, even though it's not what I thought I was. And it, and it, and it like hit me in a weird way that I was like, oh, I guess I am, you know, like this full circle 12 years later thing. I'm like, what you're doing? I'm like, I am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> yeah, it's important to remind ourselves of stuff. <laughs> you know? Did have, have another question come in, by the way. What's up? Um, anybody use pinto bean water after you soak the beans overnight as a seed soak? I know it. I uh, I haven't, but I know what they're talking about with the bean aminos, right? Like, again, I, I think that could be a, an enzyme process, too. But I think, like, they, it's generally the proteins are what people are responsible for it. Um, but since you're on, if you have Instagram, I'll plug a dude, um, Hogan's Farm. And I think it's Hogan's Farm 2.0 maybe at this point. You know how Instagram is. Um, but Hogan's Farm. So you guys know I do avocado tech. I've told you. And I, I'm not religious about avocado tech. I know that's just what it's called. But also if you listen to Tyler and listen to Blue, he's not either. It's just about the concepts again of like when you amend, this is a great way you have worms, blah, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, 
the only other guy that I've like saw before I started doing all this was the Hogan's farm guy where he's like got a bunch of worms and uh, he does something that he calls MB2 tech, which is mung bean and malted barley. So that's MB squared two tech where he does the sprouted mung beans and the malted barley. And I know it is a serious like um, hormone boost or enzyme boost. So I couldn't, I can't speak too deep on it. I know there's a lot going on with the bean stuff. I haven't done it personally. And I, again, I haven't even done avocados this time. I just chop and drop and get the, the cover crop going. I do it if I see I need something. And also if you want to trigger something in a plant, you can load amendments that might um, have a certain response in the soil. Or if you want to load up on potassium, you know, you can load that, amend that avocado heavily with potassium or something like that. But um, the Hogan's Farm dude's doing stuff with bean tech. And like, I always admire his garden it looks great he's in a living he's in a grassroots four by four uh so really comparable as far as i know he's not doing horizontal you know but all the same he's on blue mats also that's important so yeah i know there's a lot to being sprouts oh, i don't know yeah. talking about pinto bean sprouts as a seed starter or just taking pinto beans and poking them in a jar so I think if he could expand on that, we could go a little bit deeper. I, yeah, I read it as like the water was the soap, right. like the bean soap right. water. Like he was washing, he was going to eat pintos, and so he took the water from the pintos and soaked in it. That's that's, kind of, that's the way I took it as well. But I don't know if that's quite the same thing as um, – I don't know. I honestly don't know. Try it, right? You got to just try some side-by-sides. Right. Do some right? Yeah, exactly. Do some mung beans, but hit that bulk bin, right? You got the bulk bin. It's like those sprout. I know they do. I've sprouted all sorts of bulk bin stuff. That was a COVID exercise we did. It's like cool. you got food all around you, man. But anyway, it's for you guys. Not that I care, but I just want to be responsible. And like, if there's questions for sure, let's answer them. But I don't want to keep lagging, bro. You know I can. <coughs> I think we're going to have you is actually yeah. have you guys now that you've introduced yourself to the audience is have you guys back on to actually talk a lot more in depth and that's where ab i you know uh, i'm sorry Ab missed today because uh i think you yeah, added sure. a lot to the conversation sure i, I mean yeah. i would always be happy to be back anytime but yeah i hope Ab feels better for sure at least more more uh sooner than later <laughs> Yeah, agreed. It's uh, it was tough uh, missing him today, but life life happens, right? So you just, yeah. you just let it go. But we'll definitely have you guys back on, I'm sure, in the, in the near future. You know, especially after maybe just before harvest. You know, when you're when you're somewhat relaxed down, you've gotten through the hard part of the summer, and but you're you're waiting for the for the harvest to push. So yeah, I appreciate your time, Josh and Jillian. Love you, girl. Thank you for everything you've done and. And especially for taking care of him. <laughs> My favorite job. Love you. So good to see both of you. Have a great rest oh, of the day. Do you guys have anything coming up? Like, are there any courses coming up or anything like that that you guys can talk about before you jump? We've got, um, yeah, I do some the the childbirth classes in the area. But Josh, will be we'll be adding a. Um, cannabis course right yeah, pretty I, soon I want so to. stay we just tuned need to get our parking under under way okay. with the, the yeah, creek but figure out our logistics but yes yeah, so if you're in the area and you're and you're um 
definitely uh, check out our page under the tab classes. And then of course, under grow, you can always send us a message and Josh will come to, to where you are and check out your spot and help you work through um, your garden goals. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Ken. We'll keep updating that, that classes page. So and don't forget about the Airbnb. Yes, stay with us. Summer yeah, we is would, great. We love to have like-minded folk for sure. We yeah. love to have everybody, but definitely soil nerds. <laughs> and I can attest that that place is amazing, and they take such good care of it, and it's just a beautiful experience. So, highly encourage people to go up there and take a visit. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Leighton, for sure, and appreciate your you, uh, your magical work, Ken. Thank you, thank you, and we will definitely have you guys back on. And with that, guys, in the chat, thank you very much. Share, thank you comment, subscribe. We love you all. And I'm going to hit the end button because I think the kid needs to be uh, attended to by the parents. Well, 